Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. You're listening to Oilers now. Roos Chris Steakhouse is the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated the 99th Roos Chris, currently closed to comply with provincial health guidelines. But Brendan and the staff at Roos Chris are wishing you a safe and happy holiday season and a happy new year. And they're looking forward to seeing you again. We got, uh, it's actually, Burton Cummings is 73 years of age today. Wow. Not bad. Had one of the, uh, Great songs from the uh, Guess Who back in the day, which was used in a one of the better Canadian CBC movies ever made about Brian Spinner Spencer. Uh, we'll get to that song a little bit later on when Corey, uh, 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 when uh, Bob and Louie BS a bit, and we'll bring Brendan in as well uh, to talk uh, at some point during the course of this conversation as well. Louie DeBrusque is our Oilers now headliner for Touchback Safety. Stay safe on the job while saving time and money with the all-new blended learning courses from Touchback Safety. Discover your safety training solutions today at touchbacksafety.com. Louie, how you doing? I'm doing well today, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Do you remember Spinner Spencer? Do you know his story? Uh, no. Spinner Spencer uh, was from like Fort St. John. And um, so right up from where the playfairs are from. And his father was a trapper. And in the late uh, 60s, early, actually, it would have been during the 70 71 season, Brian Spencer had been called up by the Maple Leafs. And his dad was upset because the CBC detachment in Prince George was showing the Vancouver Canucks. It was the first year of the Canucks. So they were showing that game instead of uh, Brian's game. He ended up being a star in the Maple, in the, in, in the Maple Leafs game. Louis, the, the story is about to get somber. His father was so enraged with the CBC that he brought his rifle in and ended up getting... Uh, killed by the RCMP uh, outside the CBC and Spinner Spencer found out after the game that his father had been uh, killed in the, in the incident. So, uh, and, I do uh, think actually 
now that I, I do remember something, hearing that story, either you told me or someone else told me before about that story. Just heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. he, he, uh, so he went from, uh, the, the leaves. He, his, be, his best years in his career were in Buffalo. Uh, and he ended up getting charged with something later, was acquitted, but then he got murdered down in Florida. It was, it was just a, a really sad story, but the, the dad was into trapping and the kid grew up sort of around, uh, you know, around hunting and fishing and all those things that you do up in, uh, those places like, uh, Prince George and Fort St. James where the playfairs are from. I mean, that is tough country up there, as you know. And he was, he was a light heavyweight, like he wasn't a big guy, but he was really aggressive. And very popular. He was probably, I remember the first time I kind of remembered him, Louie, was uh, with Buffalo. They were playing, the, the Russians used to come over and they had two different teams. And the Sabres, mm-hmm. as you know, had a pretty good team in the mid-70s. Like, they lost the Flyers in six games in the Stanley Cup Final in 75. And he scored one of the goals against the Soviet Wings. Buffalo pounded them. They had the French connection. They won, like, 12 to oh, 6. Yeah. But instead of Gilbert Perrault, who was a stud, he was an unbelievable player, instead of Gilbert Perrault in the 70s was maybe the third or fourth best player in the NHL, instead of him getting the biggest applause, uh, Spinner Spencer got, like, the biggest applause when he scored. So it, it was... Wow. Yeah, interesting story. And an American woman was the one of the songs that you know because they showed all aspects of life. There we go. Well, enough of me talking. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Sad okay. day. Sad day for the Bruins organization, right? Zdeno Chara signing with Washington. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, he's you know when you think of the Boston Bruins, he's typically the first guy you think of. He's the captain. He's six foot nine, seven foot on skates. Um, you know, he's been playing for you know two decades more than two decades in the league and he's just so known for being a great leader um i was heartbroken to be honest with you i really was hoping that he would come back for one more year obviously it didn't work out the bruins wanted to go a different direction and uh he signed with a team that uh they're going to see a lot of so it's kind of just the way it works sometimes it's really unfortunate i, I think that it would have been great to see zadano finish his career as a bruin where he won a stanley cup in 2011 but as we know in sports that doesn't always work out that way um, I'm kind of, to be honest, selfishly, I was hoping that he'd be there to look after my kid a little bit more because everyone's at least a foot taller when Chara's on the ice. There's no question about that. And they're going to miss that. They're going to miss that against some big, strong teams that they're going to play um, nine and ten times this year where they're not going to have uh, Big Z back there making sure he's that, that policeman, making sure people don't go over the line too much. And to be honest, I think it, it just makes Washington that much deeper and stronger. That's a guy that knows how to win knows how to buckle down at the right time and uh, i'm sure he'll be worked into the rotation in washington i don't know exactly where he's going to fit in but he'll find a space and he, he can still be a very very effective shutdown guy with that long reach and the size and physicality he brings to the table so yeah tough day no question bob when i saw that i, I kind of stared at the screen for a while i even you know um, looked at the Twitter handle to make sure it was someone legit that was reporting it because I, you know, you never want to believe that when it comes out at first, but it is, and uh, you have to move on. But a tough game, Boston. I'm sure they're going to miss him. Has there been a more intimidating player that has brought functional toughness to an organization over the last 15 years than Zidane Ochara? I don't think so. I, I just think the way he's been able. Well, first and foremost, this is a Norris Trophy winner, you know. So let's put that 
rid of. Oh, he God, can play. Is, he is, can play. This is an amazing defenseman. He's a really hard guy to play against. Um, number one, we talked about the size, the reach. He covers so much space. And let's face it, he has that edge and that little, that short fuse that he's not afraid to go over the edge from time to time. We all remember the hit on Pacioretty. Whether it was meant to be that way or not, it doesn't matter. He's a big physical guy that could put punishment on people. And people knew it. And if you pushed him, he just had that switch that he was not afraid to go to. And I just think having that, a lot of times that deterred people from doing things. Just like Dave Brown back in the day, all he had to do was talk to you and you kind of settle down. It was like, okay, I heard you. I'll settle down. I'm not going to do anything. And I think Chara had that same type of reputation where play an honest, hard game. He's going to play an honest, hard game. As soon as you start taking liberties, the big man will come out. And I've never seen a guy that was able to slip down into the offensive zone as a defenseman into the scrum and not really get penalties for it. He just, you know, he just, he always found a way to be in that scrum at the right time so that, number one, he wouldn't take a penalty in the scrum, but he'd kind of sort things out. I'll bet you it happened a hundred times in the three years that I've been watching the Bruins, you know, extensively with my son playing there. And I just laugh. Every time he comes into the pile, he just kind of separates people and it's like, okay, everybody's good. Um, the occasional time you'll see a young gun or someone, a veteran step up and fight him and, but, yeah, he's going to be missed back there. That's, I think, a reputation that Boston developed. I think they've lost some of that reputation by by not signing Chara. And there's going to be other guys that are going to have to step up in that place to kind of add that presence. Is it is it a requisite need anymore? Are we about to find out, perhaps, Louis? I mean, are we going to find out in the Canadian division? The Calgary Flames, Matthew Kachuk started fighting more as the season wore on. They still got Lucic down there. Sam Bennett's a very aggressive player. They got some guys. Anderson chirps a lot on the ice. Um, you know, you, Ottawa, Pierre Dorian's completely rebuilt that team and has added a fair amount of muscle with guys like Gabranson. Uh-huh. Austin Watson and 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 even a guy like Paquette. I mean, he's not tough, but he's engaged. He's involved in yeah. it. You know, you know You're what I'm seeing saying. Seeing a trend, though. You're seeing a trend. You're seeing you a trend where teams are starting. Yeah, you do need it. I think. I think that what they're saying is they want to play a different brand of hockey, and they want to play a hard brand of hockey. They want to play a physical brand of hockey. Look at the St. Louis Blues when they won the Stanley Cup. They grounded and pounded people into a pulp. That's how they won the cup. It is. You know, there's just yep. no question about it. The Tampa Bay Lightning got wiped out by Columbus. They got bigger. They got stronger. They manned up. They started to play a more physical brand, and they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, listen, they got Patrick Maroon. They've made some adjustments to make themselves a harder team to play against. They had the elite talent, the elite skill, but they didn't have that physicality they needed to push back when it needed to be pushed back. They got it. And you know what? They won the Stanley Cup, and rightfully so. They're a terrific team. They're an amazing team. And they probably could have won a couple cups in the last few years, to be honest if they would have put it together earlier because they have that much talent. They have elite players in the league, and they have a bunch of them. But I think, personally, Montreal has done a great job. They want to be a hard team to play against. I think they're going to be a much different team this year. I think the Ottawa Senators, I know everybody has them ranked at the bottom of the Canadian division. I don't. I don't. I've gotten to see them a lot, and I just think that they're a team that's going to surprise people. They play hard, they're passionate, and they only have one way to go, and that's up. And they're going to try and climb up as much as they can, but they're going to do it with a physical brand of hockey. So I think it's important that people take note. You can have all the skill in the world, but if you go out there and you play teams that have skill, size, and toughness, it's a different animal. The Washington Capitals, I'll go back even a couple of years, in 18 when they won, uh, they're, they were a big physical team. You didn't push that team around, and you're not going to push them around again this year. 
Louie, I'm going to throw something at you right now. Brendan, I want you to mark this down. Save the tape on this. It's December 31st. We haven't played a game yet in the Canadian division. This is how successful I think the Canadian division is going to be for NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet. I believe that it's not out of the realm of possibility that NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet will say, we need to do the Canadian division again beyond this year. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah, Have I you? The same thing. I thought, yeah, I thought that it would be... Uh, It'd be really interesting. I mean, there's no question this is going to put it out there and we're going to see how it works, but uh, it just makes it really exciting, Bob, um, for a number of things. You know, obviously, selfishly being in Canada, that means that someone's going to the conference final, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and that, to me, is really appealing. You know, coming out of your division, getting to the final four, to have a Canadian team every year in that mix would be fantastic. I know that's kind of dreaming a little bit, but yeah, I thought about it too. I, I just think it's a real interesting division. I think it's amazing. I think it's, you know, I remember back in my Cape Breton days, back in the first couple of years of the American Hockey League, we got sick of seeing St. John's and Halifax and Moncton, you know, St. John's, both St. John's for that matter. And, you know, but at the same time, that rivalry, the amount of times that you would play teams, it, I don't think they suffered from it. I think, if anything, it just built up that animosity towards one another. Things carried over from game to game. Things carried over week to month. And you know what? It was battles. It was total battles. And uh, I think it's going to be the same way here. You're going you're gonna to see teams playing each other nine, ten times. It's going to be, you know, you're going to get sick of seeing them. And when you start getting sick of seeing someone, what happens? You start not liking them very much, and it makes for great hockey. Hey, Louie, I'm just going gonna to make you chuckle here. So 1997, I'm working up in Prince George, and a buddy of mine who I knew from the U of A by the name of Cam Young goes, Hey, Stoff, i got to show you this video. This is 1997, and I'm thinking, you know, like this is before YouTube and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, all right, what's he? And so he shows me a fight of Zidane Chara against Tony Mohagan. And, yeah. and Chara catches him, and Mohagan's, Tony Mohagan is Big currently, wor he, Tony's working at Edmonton, he's working at Edmonton right now. He's in the, he's in the services in Edmonton right now. So I won't say which of the service groups he works with, but you know, he's, he's the type of guy that ends up being a policeman or a firefighter. And he was a policeman on the ice. And at that point, you know, I remember Cam showing me the video. I'm like, Wow, Chara's going to be something down the road. And back then, it was so much emphasis on size. I'm going to take you in a completely different direction. When you watch the evolution of Jake, because you and me have talked about this before, mm -hmm. I have I have a theory that guys that are smaller guys that are late bloomers physically, they have to think and process their way around the ice, and they learn how to play as a result. And sometimes right. guys that are bigger than they're, when they're younger, they don't. They're, they're so physically dominant that they don't round out their game, the sort of cerebral part of the game as much. Do you agree or disagree with that sentiment? I 100% agree. And you know what it's called? Survival. <laughs> it is. There's just no question about it. And I got to see it firsthand, you know, with my own kid. And I've seen it throughout the league. I've seen it, you know, coming up through the ranks myself as a player. I played with a lot of guys that were a little undersized that were terrific players, amazing players. And, you know, some of them got that, that look 
way more looks now for the smaller size player, which I think is awesome because they're they're some of the best players in the world. They're unbelievable. Um, they've had to fight even harder, I think, for those opportunities through the course of time. No question about that. But when you're getting run, I, I, you know, and here's the thing. I come from a physical background, so when Jake was younger, when they first started hitting, you know, I was, re- I was a real big advocate of saying, listen, you have to hit. You know, even a guy, I used to always say, Pavel Datsuk hits. Pavel Datsuk hits to get pucks back. But every once in a while, he hits to make a statement. He, you know, that stinky shoulder that he would give guys, you know, he'd come back into guys that weren't expecting to put them right in their butt, and it was like, listen, get off my back. Stay back from me a little bit. Give me a little bit of space. I'm, I'm a, I just like that type of hockey. I like physical, hard hockey. And But the thing was, every time he went to hit a guy, uh, he was taking an elbow in the, hit, in the head because he was the shortest guy in the team for, I don't know, three or four years. And I just and then I had to say to him, listen, you know, you have to find a better way to hit somebody. You can't go in there and just run into a big guy that's way bigger than you that sees you coming. You have to pick your spots. I'm not saying blindside people, but you have to make sure you're you're taking the advantage of hitting someone when it's best for you. So it changes your game a little bit. But there's no question he had to learn how to survive in a big man's game for him, and that's where you use your brain. You know how to get out of, posi- out of the position of where you're going to get hit. You learn how to move the puck a little quicker. You learn how to anticipate, get your head up on a swivel, find the play before the puck comes to you. And that's why so many, you know, smaller players um, just have that game down pat because it was a necessity to survive in the game. Do you believe some guys have just an innate skill to find open spots uh, yeah. to score offensively and and also the ability, uh, you know, almost like a quarterback, like they just have a, a wicked quick release. It's off their stick before you reel. And that, that combination of those two skills is a great equalizer for undersized guys when it comes to creating offense. Getting lost. It's, it, it, is, it is a skill. There, it, there's Undeniably, it's one of the best skills you can have in the game. And if you watch a young, you know, a young team play, and Tykes, Adams, Peelies, you know, when kids are starting to play hockey, just starting to get into it, you're going to see players. It's already going to be there. There's already a natural ability for players that understand that I need to be somewhere else in order to get this puck. I need to be in a good position, a good scoring position, shooting position. And, you know, Craig Simpson, when Riley, his son, and Jake played together, he he, he used to say hunt the puck but hunt the position too hunt the position to be in and i used to always love that because it's true you have to hunt that spot to be in at the right time in the right place to have the best opportunity and you'll see it it's funny you'll watch these kids and they'll be majority of them will be just like a the puck's like a magnet to them it just, they just can't seem to get away from it but then there'll be a couple kids you'll see that'll kind of slip away and get into that quiet spot and all of a sudden they're wide open, they get the puck, and they have a breakaway or a grade-A scoring chance. And that develops, to me, very, very early. I think it's important to talk about that. I do think it's a learning thing. I, I do think people can develop that skill. But you'll see, undeniably, younger kids where there's some of them just have it. I do think it can be developed, but I think some people just have it. And when you have it, if you work on it even more, it just becomes such a deadly skill. You know, Louie, we're going to have Brian Burke coming up at 105 today, and I, I banged off his book, Burke's Law, and he talked a bit about representing Brett Hull. And you played against, you know, you played against. <laughs> there's, played... there's a guy that got lost all the time. There you it's go. Amazing. It's, funny. it's a perfect guy. It's the perfect guy to bring up because, you know, this is, 
an 80 goal scorer, but yet somehow he's wide open, you know, wide open all the time, right? Um, and you're right. He was unbelievable at just drifting into a spot at the right time, and he would get that wicked shot away. But yep. he didn't have – he did, he didn't blow it past guys, right? He It was more like he surprised guys. Like he had a great release, but I don't recall him winding up. And, you know, he wasn't boom, boom, Jeffrey. Am I wrong? No, he had a blast. He had a wicked shot. Yeah. No, he had a wicked shot. He had an amazing shot. And he was one of the first guys, really, um, to use a real whippy stick. You know, I mean, back in the day, guys, myself and most people, want the stiffer the better. The stiffer the better to be able to, you know, really torque into it, get a harder shot away. And Brett Hall kind of changed that mindset, I believe, with how whippy of a stick that he used. And, you know, for most guys, we would grab that stick and we'd be like, you'd throw it down on the ice and go, I don't want to use that thing because there's just so much vibration. You have to be more skilled to use it, obviously. But nowadays, that's really common. Nowadays, the, the kids are they're, they're always trying to find that perfect flex point that gives them the most out of their shot in each and every situation without having to put forth the most energy. I mean, the new sticks are incredible, but Brett Hall was way ahead of his time in that regard, in my opinion. And it was just a sweet release. But don't think for one second that he, he didn't have a cannon because he had a pretty darn good shot. Yeah. It was a my my shot. thing with him was, to me, it was the quickness that he got the shot off with. Oh, right? totally. Like, yep. yep. Like he, that, it was... It was you know, Bang, bang. And you know what? He played with two of the best passers ever to play the game, and Craig Janney and Adam Oates. You know, sure. Adam Oates and Craig Janney, two guys that absolutely put it on a tee for him. They were they were matches made in heaven, really. Like, they were perfect guys to play with him in order to find those opportunities, and he just knew exactly. You brought up the perfect guy, because when I was talking about disappearing on the ice, I, I'll never forget, you know, playing against Brett Hall, and I'd watch him. I'd ISO cam him when I was on the bench, because trust me, I was always on the bench when he was on the ice. So I would ISO cam him and I would just be like oh no he's nobody's on him no bang it's in the back of the net and you're like how did he do that like how did he just disappear in traffic I just don't understand it but again that's that skill that you know only some players have at an elite level they there's only a few and also you have to also have the right mentality and swagger like Hall had to be able to say you know what I'm going to not go in the corner and bang and crash away for this puck. I'm going to hang over here. I'm going to hang away from it. And you have to be a special player to get away with that from your coach's perspective, too. You better make good on the chances you get because if you're not in there grinding away making sure you're working, then you better be putting the puck in the back of the net. I don't think he had any problem with that. Louie, Happy New Year to you and Cindy and the family. Uh, the best part about this, you get to see me on uh, Monday down at Oilers practice if you swing over. I know, I'm, dr- I'm dreading it already. No, I'm not. You know what? Happy New Year, Bob. I heard you talk about 10 years on the show. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. You do a great job, and uh, I look forward to it, man. I look forward to getting Let's back go. to the grind. And Let's go. Let's right. go. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go. Yep. Thanks, Louie. Let's do it. That's, All right, buddy. You bet. That's Louis DeBrusk. It's 1254 in Edmonton. We're going to take a timeout. You're listening to Oilers now. 
This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Nicely done, Brendan. Burton Cummings, born in 1947 on this date. Guy's got a great voice. Uh, Louis DeBrusque was our Oilers now headliner for touchback safety. Stay safe on the job while saving time and money with the all-new blended learning courses from Touchback Safety. Discover your safety training solutions today at touchbacksafety.com. We head off into the Oilers now prospect report brought to you by James H. Brown, injury lawyers, of course, Trent Brown, uh, an all-star safety with the uh, then Edmonton Eskimos, the EE football team, arguably uh, one of the greatest athletes the University of Alberta ever produced. Uh, uh, the folks at James H. Brown want to wish you a happy new year. And when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Back at the 630 Chad Studios, Brennan Escott with our prospect report. Well, Dylan Holloway in Canada face, uh, whoa, I've got that all sorts of written. Finland, Finland today, not Sweden, at uh, 4 o'clock Chad time for the Group A crown and uh, showdown against the fourth place team from Group B in the quarterfinals. So they're looking for the best possible matchup there. Sweden's captain, Philip Broberg, they played a U.S tonight in the nightcap. He was uh, held pointless in that 4-3 overtime loss to Russia last night. Not much happening over in those European uh, leagues lately, but the NCAA is rolling on. 2017 sixth-rounder Skylar Brindamore, a goal and an assist for Quinnipiac over the weekend. Uh, 2018 sixth-rounder Michael Kesselring, a 6-5 defenseman. He's playing with Northeastern right now. He's got two helpers in six games there. And uh, 2016 third-rounder, we've mentioned Matt Cairns a couple times. Four helpers in nine games now with uh, Minnesota Duluth. His next point will set a career high for his NCAA career, um, eclipsing that uh, that he had with Cornell back in 2018-19. Yeah, Cornell's been traditionally a lower scoring program. Minnesota Duluth's been one of the best uh, NCAA programs last. I think they've won two of the last three NCAA championships. Denver, uh, we talked a bit yesterday about Carter Savoy. Leads the NCAA in goals. Leads the NCAA in power play goals. Uh, they're in a bit of a rebuild, but they've been a long-time powerhouse stating all the way back to the days of Murray Armstrong. 12.58 in Edmonton. We are going to talk to a Providence. Was he at Providence? Yeah, he was at Providence grad. Brian Burke uh, coming up for Canadian Power Pack after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.